welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this special edition of News in Focus as we observe Memorial Day. It is coming up this weekend and it's important for us to remember the purpose of Memorial Day. I'd like to read to you from John's Gospel, chapter 15 and verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. My son Jonathan served in the 82nd Airborne during the time of the war in Iraq. And during that time, one of his comrades, Sergeant Callahan, actually lost his life. Uh, he gave his life for others. He was actually at a crossroads uh, during one of the engagements and was uh, shielding his men, and he was watching the way, and unbeknownst to him, he was standing on top of an IED. My wife and I had the opportunity to go to his funeral, which was in the Sleepy Hills of Pennsylvania in the winter of that year, and he was laid to rest. This day, this Memorial Day, is for their remembrance, those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. We give time in which we do recognize our veterans. In fact, we just had Armed Forces Day, which was on May 21st. And of course, in November, uh, the 11th month of the 11th hour, the 11th day, we recognize our veterans. And of course, that was the close of World War I. And we call that Veterans Day, and we'll be talking about that a little later in the program and how this year in Washington is going to be a little special for all of us in Ohio who have been working on the D-Day Prayer Project. But on the last Monday of May has been designated Memorial Day, and that's when we recognize those who paid the ultimate cost of, and the sacrifice for freedom, and that is that they laid down their lives for the cost of liberty. I want you to listen closely now as we play from a movie clip of Saving Private Ryan. And here is a segment where General Marshall reads a letter that was written a long time ago by President Abraham Lincoln. And listen carefully to this clip. These two men died in Normandy. This one, Omaha Beach. Sean Ryan. This man at Utah. Peter Ryan. This man was killed last week in New Guinea. Daniel Ryan. The three men are brothers, sir. I've just learned that this afternoon their mother's going to be getting all three telegrams. That's not all. There's a fourth brother, the youngest. He parachuted in with the 101st Airborne night before the invasion. He's somewhere in Normandy. We don't know where. Is he alive? We don't know. Four of them were in the same company in the 29th Division, but we split them up after the Sullivan brothers died on the journal. Any uh, contact with the fourth son, James? No, sir. He was dropped about 15 miles inland near Newville, but that's still deep behind German lines. Mac, there is no way you can know where in the hell he was dropped. General, first reports out of Ike's people in shape said the 101st is scattered all to hell and gone. There's misdrops all over Normandy. Now, assuming Private Ryan even survived the jump, he could be anywhere. In fact, he's probably KIA. And frankly, sir, we go sending some sort of rescue mission, flat-hatting throughout swarms of German reinforcements all along our axis of advance. They're going to be KIA, too. I have a letter here written a long time ago to a Mrs. Bixby in Boston. Bear with me. Madam, I have been shown in the files of the War Department a statement of the Adjutant General of Massachusetts that you are the mother of five sons who have died gloriously on the field of battle. 
feel how weak and fruitless must be any words of mine that would attempt to beguile you from the grief of a loss so overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from tendering to you the consolation that may be found in the thanks of the Republic they died to save. Pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of the loved and lost. The solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Yours very sincerely and respectfully, Abraham Lincoln. And that is from the movie clip Saving Private Ryan, and we are recognizing Memorial Day this week. You know, there were actually five brothers who died in World War II. They were the Sullivans, and they served on one ship together after that, and it's referenced in that clip that they broke up uh, family units. They didn't want them to be in the hot zone altogether, as it were, and actually the Sullivans went down on the USS light carrier Juno as it was struck twice in engagement with the Japanese and the uh, second torpedo hit and the ship uh, exploded and went down very quickly killing all five of the Sullivan Sullivan brothers and so after that the policy was to divide up uh, brothers who were trying to serve in the same units so that uh, a family would not receive that much grief. Well, the D-Day Prayer Project is an effort uh, to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. Many of you have been listening to us. Now it's an 11-year-old project, and you're about to hear from Congressman Bill Johnson, who was our original sponsor of this legislation, to add the prayer at the memorial, and then also Senator Portman, who became the chief sponsor of S-1044, which became law and is the World War II Memorial Prayer Act. And that was signed in law in June 30th of 2014. And since that time, we've been raising the funds, and we're going to give you an update uh, from Congressman Johnson and Senator Portman that they delivered at the recent Ohio Christian Alliance Freedom Banquet. And uh, we are very excited to announce to you that construction will begin in July with a dedication date of November of 2022 of this year. Let's go right now to Senator Portman as he presented this update to the attendees at the recent Ohio Christian Alliance Spring Freedom Banquet. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Rob Portman. I really wish I could be with you tonight at the Ohio Christian Alliance's Freedom Banquet in Columbus, but I'm with you in spirit. Special thanks to my friend Chris Long for the invitation to join you, at least virtually, and to give you an update on a special project we've been working on in partnership for many years now. And that's to permanently inscribe Franklin D. Roosevelt's D-Day Prayer at the Circle of Remembrance right next to the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. Some of you have seen it there. It's actually the only prayer on the United States Capitol Mall. As many of you know, Franklin D. Roosevelt delivered this prayer to the nation on the morning of D-Day, June 6, 1944, when the invasion of Normandy began. It was expected that FDR would give one of his famous fireside chats from the White House that morning. Instead, he was moved to prayer. Chris first came to me with the idea of placing this plaque near the World War II Memorial. I thought it was a great idea because it adds some context and interpretation to that beautiful memorial. And because the D-Day prayer is such a powerful statement one of my favorite presidential statements of all time. It needs to be deserve, it deserves to be remembered for generations to come. So I authored what's called the World War II Memorial Prayer Act with my partner in the House, Representative Bill Johnson, to direct the Secretary of the Interior to install a plaque at or near the World War II Memorial with the words of that D-Day prayer. This again would be the first reference to God at the World War II Memorial and the only prayer on the mall. Since that legislation was signed into law in 2014, we have worked with the National Park Service, the Friends of the National World War II Memorial, and two federal commissions who are in charge of this, the Commission of Fine Arts and the National Capital Planning Commission, all of which are required to approve any permanent structure on the National Mall. There have been delays due to some fundraising and more recently supply chain issues and increasing costs for the materials. But the prayer is there now on a temporary basis, it's beautiful. 
and it looks like it's soon going to be there on a permanent basis. We have made significant progress on moving that forward, and I hope that we're soon going to see us accomplishing our goal and getting the prayer there in a permanent way. I want to thank Chris and all of you for your support over these years. We are optimistic that this year the permanent plaque will be installed. The most recent update we have from the Friends Group is they anticipate the construction of the plaque with the prayer and the circle of remembrance to begin this July and be ready to go in November. I am really excited to see the finished product later this year. And again, I want to thank Chris and the How Christian Alliance's continued advocacy to keep this project moving forward. Meanwhile, if you're ever on the mall, go just north of the World War II Memorial, Memorial to the Circle of Remembrance, and you will see the prayer there. And you will read those words, thanking God for protecting our troops, asking for God's grace as World War II progressed. It was an amazing prayer, and it's one that needs to be remembered for generations to come. Thanks. God bless you all, and Godspeed in your important work. And we thank Senator Portman for the commitment he made legislatively to get this thing through Congress. And, of course, uh, one of the miracles along the way was a unanimous consent on the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landings. Senator Portman's office called and said, Chris, the senator is going to attempt a unanimous consent to move the bill out of the Senate and onto the House And you know what a unanimous consent means. It means that all 100 senators have to concur. And he called me back later and said, I have momentous news. It passed by unanimous consent, which is really a miracle when you think about it, folks. Everybody has to be in agreement. If there's one objection, it's got to go back to the committee process. But it did pass on the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landings. And actually, during that 70th anniversary, one of our Ohio veterans um, he actually uh, uh, jumped out of the plane in Normandy. He, I think he was like 93 at the time, and uh, he was uh, doing a, a remembrance uh, jump. Of course, he had some assistance, but he did at age 93, uh, jumped again. And so what a, a great, um, you know, great thing that uh, all of this got done. And then the House concurred, and then President Obama did sign it on June 30th of 2014, and then we were off and running for the design, the fundraising, and then, of course, construction will begin in July. Now let's hear an update from Congressman Bill Johnson, who was our original sponsor in the U.S. House, and, of course, it was the first bill that he authored when he got to Congress back in 2011, and that's right. He references that this has been an 11-year project. Well, the Bible says that through faith and patience, we inherit the promises, and again, all of this is for their honor and their memory. Let's listen to Congressman Bill Johnson. Hello, everyone. I'm Congressman Bill Johnson of Ohio's 6th Congressional District. And thank you for coming out tonight to the Ohio Christian Alliance's annual Spring Freedom Banquet. I really wish I could be there with you in person, but Congress is in session and I'm here in Washington, D.C. So 11 years. Wow. That's how long it's taken to get us to this point. And that's how long ago it was when the World War II Memorial Prayer Act journey actually began. The World War II Memorial Prayer Act was finally signed into law in 2014. This was one of the first pieces of legislation I tackled upon being sworn into office in January of 2011. I'm so proud to have teamed up with Chris Long and Senator Rob Portman to help make this happen. But the project didn't just require legislation. There was a financial component to it. So most importantly, I'm proud to have led a group of individuals, including many of you in the audience tonight, who made small contributions to get us where we are today. The groundbreaking is scheduled to start very soon, and the dedication ceremony is on track to take place this November. Simply put, Senator Portman and I may have gotten the legislation passed, but it was your effort and the grassroots work of the Ohio Christian Alliance that got us to the finish line. The legislation stipulated that no public funds could be used to install the prayer inscription at the World War II Memorial, so we had to do it on our own, and we did. But what exactly did we do? On June 6, 1944, on live radio, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt asked his fellow American citizens to join him in prayer as American troops were landing in Normandy. 
launching one of the most dangerous and complicated operations and starting one of the most bloody battles of World War II. Knowing the terrible odds our troops were facing as they crossed a quarter mile of open beach under heavy Nazi fire, President Roosevelt beseeched God on behalf of an anxious nation in one of the largest mass prayers in history. Once FDR's D-Day prayer is installed at the World War II Memorial, it'll serve as an important and meaningful addition to the memorial, which is visited by more than 5 million people each year, providing a space to reflect on and to remember the more than 400,000 American souls lost during the war. We are fulfilling the promise we made to the veterans to get this project done. But we couldn't have done it without your financial and prayer support. So thank you for supporting both this project and the critical important mission of the Ohio Christian Alliance. God bless. And that was Congressman Bill Johnson of Ohio's 6th District, the original sponsor of the D-Day Prayer Project in the U.S. House. Of course, Senator Portman before that, the main sponsor in the U.S. Senate. And of course, here we are almost at the finish line. Well, just in a minute, we're going to hear the prayer itself. As as FDR prayed with the nation on the evening of the uh, D-Day landings, of course, uh, the day was closing out, which was the longest day, as uh, was depicted uh, by General Bromwell, who said, when they do come, it will be the longest day for both sides. That day was about to close out. It was about midnight uh, in France, and yet it was about 6 p.m., Uh, back here in the eastern seaboard, and that's when the president went to the airwaves with this prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. My fellow Americans, last night when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. Success may not come with rushing speed, but we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. They will be sore tried by night and by day, without rest, until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace. They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, 
fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters, and brothers of brave men overseas whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them. Help us, almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee in this hour of great sacrifice. Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer as we rise to each new day and again when each day is spent let words of prayer be on our lips invoking thy help to our efforts give us strength to strengthen our daily tasks to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and the material support of our armed forces. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travel, to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons, wheresoever they may be. And, O oh Lord, give us faith Give us faith in thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, faith in our united crusade. Let not the keenness of our spirit ever be dulled. Let not the impacts of temporary events, of temporal matters of but fleeting moment, let not these deter us in our unconquerable purpose. With thy blessing, we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogances. Lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spell a sure peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men, and a peace that will let all men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, almighty God. Amen. That is the D-Day prayer, and we ask you to remember Memorial Day for what it means for those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. For more information about the project, go to the website ddayprayerproject.org. God bless you, and God bless all of those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. 
I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue and we're back, and we want to give you the speech that Rick Santorum delivered at the recent OCA Spring Freedom Banquet in Columbus. Many of you have been asking about it. Rick gave a powerful testimony about his new grandchild, and you don't want to miss this. You're actually going to hear two segments of it. The entire speech can be heard on our website at ohioca.org. Uh, just go there, and you can either listen to the MP3 or see the whole video. Now, you want to listen carefully. The the audio is not the best, but it is It is uh, definitely, you can hear it. But definitely the later part of this speech, you want to hear what came about, uh, how the Santorums got their first grandchild. It's a powerful message, of a powerful pro-life message, and we're continuing to hear reports back from the banquet of people that were really moved by what Rick shared that night. So this is kind of uh, part one and two, and the full speech will be on our website. So here it is, Rick Santorum at the OCA Spring Freedom Banquet. I'm here because I'm very excited. Let me, is God good? I mean, is God good? I mean, is God good? fighting for life for over 50 years. When I got involved when I came to the, uh, to the United States Senate, because I didn't really do much in the House. But in the Senate, I, I sort of, I always said, if I came to the United States Senate and found the Lord, I know that they didn't think he was there, but he is in fact there. And, and I became much more serious about my faith when I came to the Senate. And that drove me to be more serious about what I thought God was calling me to do. And at the time that that happened, this partial abortion bill was being considered on the floor of the, of the Senate, and uh, the person who was managing the bill decided he didn't want to do it anymore. He was getting too much heat on So he decided to withdraw his, not the sponsorship, but he didn't want to manage the bill. It was up for override President Clinton's veto. And I'll be honest with you, nobody else wanted to do it. And so uh, it just, I don't know what it was. They, they said, anybody willing to step forward and do it? And I just said, I'll do it. I never said the word abortion on the floor of the House or Senate in five years of being a In fact, never entered into the debate, never talked about abortion. Never. I was from Pennsylvania. It was hard enough being a conservative, much less being an outspoken one on this controversial issue. And when I decided to do that, it changed my life. Uh, because I stepped out and stepped into a whirlwind of national headlines of a debate. What's the amazing thing is, up until then, there was really never debates on the floor of the House or Senate about abortion. The Supreme Court had put that away. We couldn't legislate on that. And so there were never great debates. There was never a discussion. Republicans, Democrats would talk about all the time. Republicans, we never talked about abortion unless we were a pro-life we never talked about it. We certainly never talked about it in the House or Senate floor. And here we are now in front of the cameras talking about overriding the president's veto, and amazing things happened. You may have heard the story about a baby crying in the Senate chambers. You may have heard that story. I was describing what was this horrific procedure of partial abortion, and I pointed to the graphic, the drawing of the procedure. Uh, because a, a member of the Senate said, well, you know, all these medical procedures are really gruesome. 
know, he had an appendicitis, and I had it, and he had an appendix taken out. And the description of the surgery would be a gruesome thing. And I pointed at the drawing of the baby, and I said, that's not an appendix, it's a baby, it's a baby! Yes. And at that very moment, the baby started crying. And that's a remarkable thing for many reasons, the timing of that happened. But the most remarkable thing is, babies aren't allowed to miss you have to be five years of age, six years of age to be in the, in the galleries. I was in the Senate for 12 years. I've never talked to people who were there for 30 years, and they had never heard a baby cry in the United States. But at the very moment I was saying that, someone in the gallery was walking in and opened up the door, and out in the hallway, there's a little baby from London, England, crying. And that baby's voice pierced the chamber. I can tell you story after story. I can tell you the story of waiting one night to close down the Senate in the middle of an override, the second time the override of the President Vito. We had uh, the vote the next morning. I thought we were going to lose. We were a couple votes short. And so I, was, I called my wife and I said, you know, I just feel like we're sitting there ready to close up the Senate for the evening. It's about 8 o'clock at night. And I said, uh, I just feel like God's calling me to say something. Maybe some senators are at home and they don't have a life and they're watching C-SPAN and you never know they could be watching me. And so uh, I went out to the presiding officer, a senator from Ohio named Mike DeWine. And I said, Mike, I'm only going to be a few minutes. If you don't mind just hanging in here because he had the he had the graveyard shift. There was nobody after him to take over in the chair. And uh, he said, sure. So two hours later, I finished. Don't worry, I'm not going to go that long. <laughs> <laughs> so I finished, and I I just I poured my heart out. And I put up pictures of children who were calling us, families calling us, and sending us pictures of the disabled children. Why disabled children? Because... The other side, the Hillary Clintons, the Barber Boxers, the Diane Feinsteins were saying, we have to keep this procedure legal because people find out late in pregnancy that the baby that they're expecting isn't what they wanted. That the baby would be disabled. And that they need to abort these disabled children. So people would be sending me all these pictures. Here's my little boy or girl. Here I am in my wheelchair. They're talking about getting rid of me. And so I told those stories. The next morning I thought, okay, I've done it. You know, I, I really delivered the message. And we lost by two months. I remember walking out of the Senate chamber and looking at the Supreme Court ruefully, because that's where the Supreme Court is right across from. And I thought I had failed. And I was a failure not just because when I called my wife, it was 8 o'clock at night, I had four kids and they were crying. All of them. <laughs> and I said, I can't be home again that night. When I got home, they were all asleep. When I left in the morning, they were all asleep. So it was another night of being a horrible dad and being a failure as a son. That's how I felt. Two days later, staff person brought me an email from a young man from Michigan State University. And the email said, that night, two nights ago, I mean, tonight I was sitting watching. We were flipping through the channels and we came across you and there was a picture of this person in a wheelchair so we stopped and listened to what you were talking about. As we sat there and we talked about trying, you know, the, the debate of overriding the president's veto, I looked down and I saw my girlfriend had a tear running down her cheek. And I asked her what was wrong. And she said, I'm pregnant. And I had the abortion scheduled for tomorrow and I wasn't going to wow. tell you. Not going to have an abortion. In the eyes of the world, I have failed. My eyes, I have failed. But God is good. All the time. God sees more than we see in our little lives. He sees everything that's going on. He sees all the effort so many of you have put in over the course of this national tragedy of 63 million children 
talking about World War II and the Holocaust. Times 10. And we have presided over it. We used to say we fought. But we didn't win. But we kept fighting. And that's the joyous message. What they meant for evil by releasing that report, that opinion, God's going to use for good. Yeah. He's girding our loins. We're getting ready. We're going to see Roe versus Way overturn. We're going to see all the work, all the prayer come to. I don't know if any of you thought that in your lifetime you'd see Roe versus Way overturn. And we are here because we didn't give up. Do you understand how unusual it is for a Supreme Court decision to not eventually take hold in America and be accepted? Maybe four or five times in the history of our country that's happened. And it happened here in spite of the fact that Every institution in American life was against us. Academia was against us. Hollywood was against us. The news media was against us. Every institution but the church, and frankly, half the church is now against us. Everywhere you go, abortion's a victim. And yet, you remain faithful. So God was You fought. You didn't give up. And God has rewarded us for that. Praise God. Amen. There's a lesson here, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lesson. If you are faithful, He will be faithful. And you will fail and fail and fail. As we did. For 50 years we failed. But we didn't give up. And God has blessed us. And I say that to you because if you look around this world, and particularly this country, uniquely this country, I just spent two weeks in Europe. No one in Europe is talking about the question of what a woman is. No one, no one has any any question about what a woman is. They know the difference between a boy and a girl. Liberal socialist Europe, unchristianized Europe, knows the difference, but we don't. And yet, how much are we doing to fight that battle? What are we doing to fight all the battles that the woke culture, that's the secular left, is trying to silence us and destroy the moral fabric of our country? How much are we willing to sacrifice and stand in the gap to fight? And the answer is so far, not much. Let's just be really honest, not much. We have gay marriages. Does anybody really object to that anymore? You ever hear it talked about it anymore? The abomination of marriage instituted by God. Does anybody ever talk about well, the offense of that? No, we don't. Because we don't want to offend anybody. I'll tell you who you're offending. I'll tell you who you're offending, but we don't seem to care about that because it doesn't affect our social status or our feedback on social media or how our <coughs> colleagues at work look at us. Look at what's going on in, in the workplace and all of the uh, lectures that you're getting about tolerance 
and conformity to the new world culture. How many fight against that? How many stand up? And if you do, great. But the reality is we're losing. We're winning on life because we didn't give up. Because we didn't accept a lie as truth. But everywhere else in our culture, we are. God's going to bless that. I heard someone say that we continue on the way that we are. America continues to survive. And God has sought the more apology. If we're not going to fight, we can't find seven good people. And don't, don't think that America is just going to keep on going. She doesn't talk. She doesn't eat. She is fed by two. She too. I always say, Bella can only do one thing. Really, only do one thing. She doesn't know anybody I know. Bella can love. I remember looking down at her. I was going through this really difficult time trying to stress this severity of what we were dealing with when she was in her crib. I kept looking at her. I looked at her, I said, no, she'll never be able to do anything for me. I'll never hear her say a word. I'll never see her do anything. She's completely helpless. Completely disabled. But all, all she can do is love. But that's all I want for her. That's all I need for her. I thought to myself, that's how God sees me. In the eyes of God, I am completely disabled. Given the awesomeness of God and his abilities, I am nothing. I can do nothing for him. And all he wants is to be a mother. I always say Bella is the greatest teacher I've ever had in my life. She's taught me so many important lessons. Well, October of this last year, I got a call from my daughter. She's my oldest. She has been married for four and a half years, and they have been trying to get pregnant. They haven't made it. Done all the things you can do. They decided that maybe God wants them to be foster parents, so they signed up and went to a foster care thing. For six months, they were promised child after child after child. Never happened. For some reason, last minute, sometimes the day off. The foster child got older, and they never had a foster child. She called me and said, Dad, I just got a call from a friend of mine. And she was. Uh, she was at Mass, Catholic Mass, on a Tuesday morning at a church outside of Annapolis, Maryland. She had to go to church that, that morning. And the priest at the end of Mass went up and said, uh, I want you to know that there's a woman in our community who is pregnant and has a baby being delivered in a couple of weeks. And the baby you know, may have, we don't know, but may have some, uh, some medical issues. If you know anybody that might be interested in adopting a baby that may have some medical issues. So her friend, knowing my daughter's situation, ran to the back and said, I have the perfect person. And uh, you know, she has a little special needs sister, and so she, she'd be a perfect person. So Greece said, fine, got in touch. Long story short, she gets in touch with, they get her in touch with the mom. So they have this conversation, very brief on the phone. The mother says, yeah, let's have a meeting. So, she drives up to Annapolis, she sits down with the mom, and the mom starts to tell her story. Goes through her, in fact, she's married, she has another child, but she just can't handle any, any additional stress. You know, it's hard enough, they were debating whether to have an abortion. 
debated that. Uh, she said she tells the story of she has this old iPhone 6. She showed it to me. She said, um, you know, I pulled this out of my pocket while I was going through this issue of whether to have an abortion or not. And the phone was ringing. And it was called the Catholic priest. I had been in the church in three or four years. I hadn't talked to this priest in a long, long time. But the phone was ringing. His, it was his name. I, by the time I got to it, he had answered the phone. So I picked up the phone. I said, hi, Father. This is you know, such and such. I'm sorry to call you. She goes, well, maybe I'm supposed to talk to you. And so they had a conversation. And so the, uh, the priest referred to a crisis pregnancy. So she talked to the people at the pregnancy center. And there's a group of nuns who work with that pregnancy center. And so one of them talked to her and became a counselor. They talked and they went through the whole thing. And so they... Uh, Counselor said, you know, I'd like to send you a book and, uh, you know, to, uh, for you to read. And she said, oh, okay. And she, she sent her the book. And the book is called Bella's Gift. Oh. It's the book my wife and I wrote about our daughter, Bella. <laughs> and so my daughter sitting there listening to this. And she said, did you read the book? She said, well, I read it. I read the introduction. And it so moved me, it blew me away, that I decided then and there I wasn't going to have an abortion. But then uh, I just couldn't read the rest of the book. I just couldn't do it. But I set the book on my bed some nightstand. And every night before I went to bed, I would say a prayer. That whoever adopted my little girl or baby would love that baby as much as the sand farms would love. And so Elizabeth said, Well, I should tell you something. That book's about my sister. And she didn't know that, and she said, and she said, and my mom and dad wrote the book. But I wrote the introduction. <laughs> and she said, you should also know that sister that you were working with, is her name happened to be Sister Mary Doolittle? And she said, yes, it is. She said, well, five months ago, I saw Sister Mary Doolittle at an event. I know her. And she told me about a woman that she was working with, she didn't tell me her name, but she told me she was working with this woman who was dealing with this situation, and she asked me to pray for you and your daughter. So for the past five months, I've been praying for you and your daughter. And so two weeks later, little Zelly Mariana was born, and she is now our first grandchild. Our first grandchild was a little girl who may have been aborted and has special needs, thankfully not very severe at all. But what a better gift. I told Elizabeth, I said, no matter what happens through this process after this first meeting, I said, there's one thing that God has done for me. He has convinced you in absolute certainty that this little girl belongs in our family more than if she were conceived naturally. Because God, again, has blessed us. Because our life has been about protecting the unborn and fighting for those with special needs. So, of course, our first grandchild would be adopted for the world with special needs. Do you really think you can outgive God? Do you really worry that if you sacrifice for Him, that He won't be faithful to you? What are you afraid of? Yeah, the world 
world's hard, the world's ugly, you're going to lose, you're going to get beaten, but praise God to suffer for Him. Let's see great things happen in Ohio. Let's see Ohio stand for life. Let's see the rocks free for life. Because of what you're doing from this day on. And we hope that you enjoyed that message by Rick Santorum. I tell you, there wasn't a dry eye in the room that night. And with us was the State Attorney General Dave Yost, uh, the Treasurer of State Robert Sprague, uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose, a number of officials were there. And people were so moved by that tremendous testimony of how their first adopted grandchild was a special needs uh, um, granddaughter this is going to be their first granddaughter was in a through an adoption and it was all because of bella's story and bella's li- love lives on in the santorum household well again if you missed any of today's program you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org and if you want to hear the entire uh, message by rick santorum it is there as well and of course all the information about the d-day prayer project Thanks so much for listening. God bless. We'll see you next week. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.